Father, again, we thank you. Gather collectively around your word. Speak to us, Lord, through the truth of your word. Your spirit would minister that truth to us to cause us to grow and to be conformed into the image of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Psalm chapter 1 tonight. And <clears throat> a couple things that I want to mention. I, man, like there's a lot that I want to say. But I won't say it all. Um, but one of the things I want to say is this. Is that if you've never taken any time to really study through the Psalms, um, you're, you're really missing out on a rich treasure trove of not just theology, wisdom, but really the character of God. Like, I remember years ago when I studied through the Psalms for the first time, going through them front to back, and I remember coming at the end of Psalm 150 going, wow, like I think I learned more about the character of God reading through the 150 Psalms than I learned anywhere else in Scripture. It is so rich in talking about who God is, his character, but not just that, but as he um, interacts with his people, what he provides for his people. It's incredible. It's wonderful. And then also how his people are called to respond to him as well. And it's really kind of along those lines, too, that I want to mention a few other things. One is that it's always important to remember contextually where you're reading in the Bible. And obviously, the Psalms are in the Old Testament. And our, I think our natural thinking is, whenever we come to the Bible, is for us to ask the question, okay, what does this mean for me today? And it's not that that's a bad question. It's just that's not always the first question I think that we should ask. Because what I'll say is this. Prop application comes out of your understanding, right? So proper exegesis or understanding of the scripture leads to proper application of the scripture. And we all, all of us, we want to properly apply the scripture to our lives. Nobody is like, yeah, I just want to read and apply it in any way that I feel like doing it. Whether it's pleasing to God or not, I'm just going to do what I want. Um, none of us want to do that. We want to properly apply God's word to our lives. And to rightly do that, we have to properly understand it. And when you're in the Psalms, um, it's important to understand the kind of the framework in which it's been written. Um, it would largely be included, the Psalms would be included in what we would call the, um, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. You have Psalms, you have Proverbs, you have Ecclesiastes primarily, maybe Song of Solomon in there too. And it's really designed to help the Israelite make sense out of life as they're living life in covenant relationship with Yahweh. God has brought Israel into covenant relationship with him based upon his own sovereignty. And so the Psalms are, okay, well, as someone who lives in covenant relationship with God, how then should I make sense out of life? Now, in that and understanding that, there is then the, 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 the thread that does apply to us. Because even though I'm not an Old Testament Israelite, I still live in covenant relationship with God, only it's under the umbrella now of the new covenant. And so the question I can still ask is, um, how does it apply to me in one who lives now in covenant relationship with God? And some of the Psalms are overwhelmingly about what it is that God has done for us. And a lot of these messianic Psalms. Um, some of the Psalms, like the one that we're in tonight, is largely about how the one who lives in covenant relationship with God should live. 
And so one of the questions we want to ask ourselves is, how does the psalm either point me to Christ, because it's through Christ, I live in covenant relationship with God, or how does the psalm talk about the finished work of Christ and how that relates to me as someone who lives in union with God in Christ, like our Colossians passage mentioned. So I just put that out there to kind of help us think through the Psalms and some of these as we, as we work through them. So I'm going to read Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 for us is largely about how one who lives in covenant relationship with God is called to do so. And for us as the believer, it's because I'm in Christ, because of what it is that Christ has done for me, how then should I seek to live in a way that's pleasing to him? And so we see that in Psalm chapter 1, and it's, it's one that we're all probably very well familiar with and acquainted with, but it's one of these psalms that every time I read through it, I'm going, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, but I'm convicted because I don't always do it. I don't always think that way. And it's wonderful in, in um, really kind of addressing my heart and our hearts in that way. So Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows, that the way of the, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So Psalm chapter 1, and remind, again, these are songs. These are like divinely written, divinely inspired songs. They're songs that God wrote about God that are supposed to be sung back to God. And so if we're ever looking for like fresh singing music material, here we go. We've got an entire, we've got 150 of them. So we're not short on material. We've got a lot of divinely inspired songs. Um, and someone much more talented than I am can put these words to music. And people have done that. But it starts off really kind of in what it is that the man who wants to be blessed, the man who is happy <clears throat> in the Lord, does not do certain things. And this is just normal Christianity, right? There are things because God created us and he knows us that if we're to do these things, they are bad for us. And oftentimes those are the things that we want to do. And so he's telling us, don't do these things. It is not good for you. If you do them, it generally will not go well for you. And so we do well to pay attention, to be warned by these things. And he starts off, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. In, in general, do not think the way that the world thinks. Don't walk in their, uh, their counsel. Don't take counsel from the world don't think according to worldly terms and standards. As a believer, your mind is to be renewed, right? We're to think biblically about things. The world does not think biblically. It cannot. It's blind. It's dark into that. So as the believer, our minds are called to be renewed, and we are called to think biblically. And the, man who, and the person 
who does that is blessed. So don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't stand in the way of the sinners. Don't go, not only don't think like them or with them, but don't go with them as well. Don't let your life be composed of regular going with those who live in the world, who are not believers. I think Christ modeled this very, very well in that he was interacting with the world and sinners all the time, but yet he didn't go with them. He didn't um, act the way that they acted. This is difficult for the believer. Because the more time that we spend with unbelievers, and especially if you're in a setting where it's primarily unbelievers, it's very easy for the believer to, to compromise in this way and to start to then act and talk and think like the unbeliever. But Scripture tells us, if you want to be blessed, don't walk in them, don't think like them, don't stand in the way of the sinners, don't go along with them, and certainly don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Don't live among them. Don't think like them, don't go with them, and certainly don't live among them. Don't let your, again, your regular pattern of life be composed of living among, partaking with, having fellowship with those who don't know Christ. Paul would instruct the believers in 1 Corinthians, I believe, where he said, um, bad company corrupts good morals. This is what happens to the believer. And so we're warned, if you want to be blessed, don't walk with the unbeliever, don't think like them, don't stand with them, don't go with them, don't sit among them, don't live among them. But if you want to be blessed, this is what the person does. And this is the pursuit of pleasure. We have to see it in this way. It's not just about not doing and doing. This is about, and this is where I think John Piper is really, really good. It's about how do you pursue your pleasure to the best degree that you can as a believer, that God doesn't call us to be stoic, numb, emotionless people. He didn't create us to be that way. He's called us to pursue our pleasure, but in him. Blessed is the man, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And this, again, reminds us of the centrality of God's word. Do you delight in God's law, in his word? I'm not, I mean, do you delight in it? Do you look forward to reading your Bible? Do you read it day and night? Do you ruminate on it? Do you read it and you ruminate on it and you think about it and sometimes you're confused by it and, but that's okay because you're, you're bringing it in and you're allowing it to renew your mind, to transform you, who you are. This is what God's word does, right? It actually cuts and it actually transforms us. And the person who meditates on the, the word day and night and the law of God day and night um, and delights in it, blessed is that man. We see in, in verses three and four, this really like this beautiful word picture. I don't, know if, I don't know if trees like do it for you. Um, they do for me. I love this word picture of the tree. It's a word picture that scripture uses all the time of the tree. Um, but the person who meditates on the, um, on the law of the Lord day and night, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. 
I mean, what a beautiful picture. You, you picture this, this healthy, vibrant, lush, fruit-bearing, leaf-never-withering tree. That's what the person is like who is connected to God through the Word. Jesus would use the word picture in John 15 of the branch and the vine. And you can stay, as the branch stays connected to the vine, the vine feeds, gives this life-giving nourishment to the branches. And that's what it's like here, is we're trees, we're planted by these streams of water, and we're fruitful. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a fruitless person. In my mind, that is one of the worst things that I could be described as, as a, as, as a, as a Christian. Fruitless. Like, you just wasted your life. I, that's like, for me, I would rather the Lord take me home to be with him before that could describe me. Being like this shriveled, fruitless, scrawny, like leafless shrub. And I know that life doesn't have to be that way because being like that is not dependent upon my circumstances. It's dependent upon my attachment to the Word of God. In other words, I can go through difficult seasons of life incredibly hard seasons of life and still bear fruit. Have you ever met people like that, believers like that? That it's like, it doesn't, it's like they go through really hard things and yet they're still bearing fruit. Like their leaves aren't withered. You're going, what is, what's going on with you? How do you do that? How do you live that way? And the only explanation is like, I'm just staying connected to the vine. Bearing fruit. That is what that's what I want to be like. That's what I want us as a church to be like. Like, I'm not, you know, there's always this balance. Faithful or fruitful. Faithful and fruitful. I'd like for us to be both. You know, but faithfulness is the call. God brings forth the increase as he sees fit, right? So we're called to be faithful. But as we stay connected to the word of God, we can also bear fruit. And we should. Um... The wicked, though, are not so. See in verse 4. What's interesting is that we see, listen to how the wicked are described. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. You notice that the chaff isn't just picked up and carried along by the gentle blowing breeze of the summer evening. No, this this is a driving wind, right? If we know anything about a driving wind, have you been outside? Are you aware at all of what's been happening for the past two days in Vacaville? There's been a driving wind. It is knocking stuff over. And that is what God is like in his judgment. He's not this gentle breeze that just wisps the unbeliever along, the wicked along, but he is a driving gale force wind that pushes them and drives them into the judgment because they oppose him. They do not submit. They do not yield to the word. And that's really one of the ways that we can see Christ in this. How is it that you and I are not driven like the chaff, but that we have life in Christ? How is it that you even have the desire to be like a tree? Why is it that you're even here tonight? Why do you come to church on Sunday? Why is this, any of this even important? 
but because you are in Christ, because of the work that Christ has done for you, I can then do what God calls me to do and live this out. I have the desire to do this because of the finished and completed work of Christ on my behalf. I see him. I see him suffering and languishing away upon that cross. I see him yell, it is finished. I see him put into the grave. And I see the tomb empty. And I see him resurrected and ascended and reigning on high. And I see that resurrected king pouring out his love and his grace to me to redeem me, a sinner. And the proper response to that is, I want to bear fruit. Help me to glorify your name. Don't let me waste my life. I want to bring you glory. Of all that I do, I want to be fruitful for you. That's the heart of the believer. We see, though, again, that the wind drives away the wicked like the chaff. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Not meaning not, it doesn't mean that they won't be there. It means that they're there and they won't be able to stand. They're going to be brought down. The wicked think that they can write like it's just the foolishness of man at its height. Wicked think that they can actually stand in the day of judgment and stand a chance in opposing God. They will not stand, they will be brought low, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Jesus knows, God knows the way of the righteous, and he has given us, his people, the spirit, the desire to be able to live it out. You think about how the wicked oppose God and they will not stand in the day of judgment, but his believers will not only stand, but will be embraced by him. And the desire for us to receive that and have that is because of the finished work of Christ and because of the finished work of Christ, we then are actually given, are empowered to live the way that God calls us to live. Right? He's, it's this incredibly wonderful thing, gift. The desire to live for his glory and the empowerment to actually live for his glory. It's wonderful. And that, I pray, is something that we take away from Psalm 1 tonight. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll uh, sing one more song together, and then I'll close us in prayer. <clears throat> Father, again, we thank you for the finished work of Christ. This is not a psalm of how to achieve favor, blessedness with you. This is not the root of blessedness, but the fruit of it. Because of the work of Christ that's finished, brought into the new covenant relationship with you and you have given us a desire to live this way Lord you have empowered us and provided all that we need for life and godliness first Peter 1 3 reminds us of that wonderful promise and truth let's help us to apply it to our lives for your glory for the good of the church Lord we pray in Jesus name amen please stand for our final song Light of the world, you 
Step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. We're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. I uh, just want to, uh, I think this passage is good, helpful for us, reminding us first, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God, all scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent equipped for every good work. Father, that's our desire. Man, woman, here that knows you, loves you, brought into covenant relationship with you, it's to, to bear fruit, be competent, equipped for every good work that you've called us to. And you've prepared good works for us in advance to do as well. 
And so help us, Lord, to be properly equipped and competent to do those works when the time comes to do them. We know that God's word helps prepare us, trains us, corrects us, teaches us, reproves us. All of it breathed out by your wonderful grace, your wonderful power speaking to us, Lord. Help us to be attentive. Help us to yield and submit to learn of you, Lord, in your wonderful ways. Bless your name, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.